0: Hello there, and welcome to a special episode of Bros Watch PLL 2. I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Parks. And today we're joined by the director of photography for Pretty Little Liars, Larry Reedman.
1: Hello, guys. Hi there. Hi, hi, DM. Good. How's everybody doing?
0: We are doing wonderfully, really enjoying the new season so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely seems like you guys are really starting to kind of get really creative and, and, just thoughtful, and even just the framing and everything you're doing, and that last episode is really interesting—the way everything is constructed.
1: The last episode, as we we're talking, the last episode that act, that aired was uh, the second one of this mm-hmm. season, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was a beautiful job by by all of us. I mean, it's it's a heartbreaking, sad, incredible episode. I think one mm-hmm. of I'm, we're really proud of it. You know, that was with with Norman and Joe, of course.
2: And you guys right now are in <laughs> the middle of filming the 6a finale
1: that's exactly right <laughs> we,
2: we are exactly in the middle of,
1: of that which is epic <laughs> lots awesome. of night shoots well we have been how do you know this yeah of course we have been um uh night shoots but uh now that that part's over and we have a few more days of of uh of scenes to shoot and then we'll get that one out as soon as we can
0: <laughs> awesome all right well let's jump on in marco you want to go first
2: Sure. So just for, for anybody listening, for the layperson, what does the director of photography do on a TV show?
1: Well, the simple, I mean, the director of photography is the main cameraman, the person in charge of the visuals, uh, of shooting the show, at least the production visuals. Mm-hmm. And, um, so on a show like ours or most of the shows that, you know, you're working in collaboration with the directors. Uh, you know, and, and you're in charge of lighting and shooting and camera placement and lenses, and, and certain directors are more involved than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the main part, it falls to me or, or anybody who's the DP to do that. Uh, on episodic TV, in my experience, the director of photography is sort of becomes the main constant because uh, most shows, our show, I am the I am the director of photography for every episode. With a few exceptions, but some shows, some series will rotate or alternate, I should say, uh, back and forth. But either way, the directors more typically come and go, have, you know, 16 or so different directors in a 20, 24 episode season and one or maybe two DPs. So it really is up to me in my position to maintain the visual look and the style of the show, as well as understand what the editors and the producers consequently need to, to cut the show together
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so some some consistency too yeah definitely oh so you guys have three cameras on PLO, right
1: we often have three cameras okay. we some mm-hmm. we usually have at least two running it all the, all the time mm-hmm. um we often have three we shoot our show rather quickly but it's it's sometimes challenging to be able to get a good shot with good lighting uh, from three different cameras at once, but but we've been able to do it pretty successfully, you know. The cameras are small, smaller and uh, it's, we're able to keep it in, you know, keep them, keep them close to each other so we can do some good stuff.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of times just watching a movie or TV show, you see they're like a really interesting shot and you always wonder like, well, who, who came up with that? Is that, you know, is that all the director? Is that the DOP? Like, um, like, is, do you guys ever like during prep are there specific shots at the directors like? I really want something that looks like this or that.
1: Yeah, sure, and mm-hmm. and so there could be references like that, especially mm-hmm. working with some of the some of the art directors who are really interested in film, like Norman Buckley or some some or Joe or some of those people who will be able to ask for some kind of visual reference or homage maybe you know for mm-hmm. something like that so there's that way but then just on the set looking at the scene as written it all comes all starts with the page of writing obviously so being able to stage that action and then figure out a way to shoot it with with the coolest shots possible and yet be able with other stories sometimes those suggestions come from the director sometimes from myself sometimes from our talented camera operators or the dolly grip or, you know, and it's all a good collaboration when we're all kind of working together.
2: What is your your prep process for an episode? And like how long before actual production starts does that begin?
1: Well, as we get into the middle of the season, personally, if I'm working, I'm shooting the show that's currently filming and, and the director will come in for a, a week of prep prior to that. We shoot, we shoot seven for seven days, an episode of PLL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director will have seven days, uh, prep before that. In most, but not all cases, he has the script, you know, to work on. Sometimes it's not complete, completely complete. Um, so I will sometimes be able to actually take some time and prep with that director. And sometimes it's a little bit just sort of grab as we can, you know, we'll have lunch together. We'll take a walk or we'll meet before, before my call so as far as working it out it's just it it it, it varies on the time allowed usually mm-hmm. you know sometimes there's more and some and a few times beginning of the season actually to be honest this this episode we're shooting right now i had so i took some days off the set to help marlene king you know work some of this stuff out so we you know so it just becomes depends on how complicated it is or how much time there is for it
0: mm-hmm. i was gonna say i'd imagine sometimes the uh the shoots you do it it might just be a simple dialogue shoot or if there's a lot of action or something that might take more time to kind of figure out how you're going to do something
1: yeah well you guys have seen our show
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously and some some episodes are clearly more complicated than others you know and it's mm-hmm. probably like that in all in all series television
2: uh, so i saw like a slate on social media so marlene king is directing the finale she is directing, she wrote the script and she's directing this
1: episode that we're shooting now, which will be the uh, 10th episode. Uh, it'll air at the end of this, this summer.
0: Right. So I was just wanted to get a little bit of background. How did you eventually or originally get uh, involved with Pretty Little Hours to begin with?
1: Oh, I was, uh, I had been shooting the series medium for uh, several seasons, six or seven or something. And, and that, that show ended and I, um, was looking for a job and I, uh, actually came in and they, Pretty Little Liars was in the middle of their second season or their, or their last third of their second season mm. and were looking to replace, uh, their DP who was going off to another project. So they met with a few, with a few other cameramen, I guess. And, um, I think that I, uh, maybe I still think I maybe got the job because I did have a knowledge of that Hitchcockian mm. language that Mm-hmm. That we all like over there, you know, and, and the medium, which the show I shot before that with Glenn Cairn was very much in that, that Hitchcockian paradigm too. You know, they, they really re- respected the, that kind of storytelling. So I don't know if it was that they liked the way my other work looked or, or, but I, th- I always feel like it had something to do with it. The fact that I at least knew what they were talking about. Some of, <laughs> some of those old movie references. <laughs>
0: Yeah, one thing I have noticed as the, the show has gone, it seems like the color palette has gotten a lot more muted. Like I was watching one of the first episodes and I was like, wow, this is like really bright with all these colors. Um, I assume that's probably intentional to kind of like as the subject material gets more uh, like kind of grim and, and murky. The, the show itself kind of starts to work in more shades of gray.
1: Yeah, I think we did. It became more darker, yeah. you know, certainly. And we were... I mean, it's so liberating and exciting because they do allow me and, and my guys to make it darker and, and moody. They, they appreciate it, uh, ask for it, and then they're able to maintain that through through our post process. And and most of the time, by the t- actual airing on ABC Family, they still kind of maintain it. Uh, I think there was probably, obviously, has to be some difference in uh, the way the show looked from when uh, Dana Gonzalez was shooting it in episode one and two, uh, but. But I think, but 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 more since then, you know, all through these past few seasons, we've we've gotten a little more, a little more sophisticated, I think, and a
2: little darker, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, so like speaking of which, being the DOP on the show, like, what do you usually want to bring visually to an episode of PLL that that you've directed? Because you've you've directed, you've just finished your second one. Yeah, that's right.
1: Well, I, you know, the show is
2: it's a it's about the
1: script and about the, and about the faces of these people. I think that's how you all, everyone becomes engaged in it. So in, in terms of shooting it as the, as the DP or as a director, Mm -hmm. that's really, that's really what it is all about.
0: Now, when you guys are doing an episode, are there like storyboards that you guys do or like, um, I mean, I imagine you probably don't have a ton of time to do that sort of thing with only a week of prep, but, um, do you guys like, you know, map out the blocking or anything like that for the shots?
1: Typically, I would say no. Mm-hmm. If there's a really complicated or you know involved action sequence or something involving some visual effects, we may try to do it that way or uh, you know, and the different directors are prep, prep in different ways, and some of them would make a storyboard, but tipi- but there's no time or interest maybe mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to do that for every every scene. It's just it's just too much, it all happens too fast. You know, and I even, you know, and as a director, when I'm directing, I will make shot lists or at least know going in where I think the actor should be and 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 what we need to do. And then in the course of it, although which, you know, there's always to me, I think there's always the most important line of every scene, you know, in that script. And I make sure I just want to make sure that we're in the right position that, to have that line, that's that's where the story is, that's where the camera move is, or, or something. So I, I think that there's you know there's a the different planning can be,
2: it can vary.
1: And some scenes are just exposition, and we kind of blow through them pretty quickly. And some things are more more
2: complicated and and fine. Hmm. So I imagine too with with having a lot of the same directors or having like yourself direct an episode. There's a excuse me like a shorthand that can be developed too if your crew and your cast. So you know exactly where to fall, um, speaking of which when you are directing, do you still act as the DOP or is that delegated to somebody
1: no we' well, I've been lucky enough to delegate that to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to another another guy and I, I mean I think that there's a there's an obvious advantage to being the DOP of a show that you know so well because and I think that it's you know you're able to you know how that particular set those particular people looks the best, I right. think. So we can, st- so the blocking and the staging and the side of the line that we choose to put the camera on, uh, I, I I cannot help, even though I can't help but think about that as the director of photography, mm-hmm. because after all, we are making um, pictures, you know, and know that this is the way it'll it'll fall in. So that comes easily. And, I, and I'm in the same way that I will encourage other directors to take a look at the scene from this side of the set. If if perhaps they weren't thinking that way because I know it'll be easier to shoot and, and probably, and look better for most, most of the time. So I think that there's that kind of advantage, but working as a director with another DP. And in the case here of pre it's my same crew. So in the same cast, obviously. So, but there's able, but the input of those collaborators is invaluable too. So that's all, that's been great
0: yeah no one thing we noticed with uh the episode you directed no one here can love or understand me it definitely seemed like there were a few shots that we hadn't we hadn't really seen like certain angles on sets like one that i remember was looking in through the window on you know from ezra's balcony like inside as he's talking to emily is is that the kind of shot that like maybe you you know maybe had in your back pocket or something like that or kind of wanted to, to bring like a a new take on a familiar set
1: well uh well I love doing that and we mm-hmm. all try to do that no matter who's directing if we just can try to find something different because you know on any television show the story takes place in the same places all the time anyway most mm-hmm. for the most part um that show actually we did uh, a Really cool shot on, on Joe's Black and White episode, 419, mm-hmm. which came up that balcony and where uh, they, were, they were actually out on the balcony and then closed the windows. I don't know if you remember that one yeah. mm-hmm. uh, with Ezra and Mona, I think that was. And uh, so there was, so it wasn't a completely original angle, but it was a nice way to kind of get out of that scene and we were able to move in on a little bit and, and kind of keep keep the story going. Mm-hmm. It's happened? I, I, I would just, the episode I just directed was. One of Brian Holman's scripts. And a couple times he said, Oh, I don't think I've ever seen this room like this before. And I said, Well,
2: maybe you haven't, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not that different. Yeah. So, like, we definitely want to talk about the frame and blocking from some of the scenes in the episode, particularly uh, the theater scene. And no one here can love or understand me because there's a lot of visual storytelling there. There's a lot of significant looks between, like, Mona and Arya and then Paige. Plus, there's that absolutely great silhouette shot as Aria leans in and whispers something into Mona's ear there. We're fascinated, like, was that something, I mean, how much work do you do with the writer or how much do you do you get that from, like, Joseph Doherty and you think, okay, how do I communicate that?
1: Uh, sometimes, sure. I mean, and Joe's scripts have a lot of description and he thinks of things very visually and mm-hmm. some scripts do as much and some not quite as much. So it, it's, it, again, because there's, even though it's one writer's room on this, our television show, there's a lot of different writers who are actually become personally responsible for each episode script. Mm-hmm. So it it varies. Um That particular scene was a, a little set that we built and it wasn't a real theater. And it was, you know, we kind of, I had, I knew what the, you know, again, that's like looking at the scene and seeing what's important in that scene. And, and it's, uh, and as great as the movie is, it's not really about that. It's just about the, the the different looks. There's not much dialogue. It's just those mm-hmm. the eye lines and who's looking, who who's noticing who, and who's noticing who's noticing who. Mm-hmm. So we 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 were able to do that in there. I think pretty, it was pretty pretty great that 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 scene.
2: Yeah. Well, and just and same thing too with the the bravura scene in the grill, where if you have like Toby and Caleb, and then Spencer and Hannah, and like you have four characters there on the one set in two different spots. of It, it was almost like you blocked it like it was a play. I thought I thought it was really interesting where you had. Mm-hmm. Spencer and Hannah are talking at one point about, you know, how you deal with loved ones going through something. In the background, you have Toby and Caleb having a whole conversation. Like, what was the, the, like, situation like blocking that? Like,
1: well, I I think that really was written that way, if I remember right. And, you know, that they, they've moved off to another point, part of the, of the restaurant and let the boys talk. Mm -hmm. And then, you know the dialogue is is the dialogue so it, we may have made some changes to the script in the editing I don't recall but but really we knew that we wanted we always wanted to keep those people connected even though they were not in earshot of each other but the audience needs to see that they're still going on and so that was nice yeah
0: yeah I know the the theater scene I'm always really interested whenever a TV show will go without dialogue or explanations I know a lot of TV it's kind of you depend on the audio a lot more than you would in, say, a mm-hmm. movie where you have, like, you know, everyone's direct attention. So it's really neat to see just sort of pure visual storytelling. It's You're not getting anyone explaining anything that's happening. You just kind of have to watch and see who's looking at who and, you know, like how how they're grouped together and, you know, significant glances and whatnot. And then, like, the, the whisper scene where Arya whispers into Mona's ear with the Hitchcock movie kind of, you know, yeah. silhouetting them. It was really effective. I love that scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And you wanna know what she said? I don't know. I think she I think I think Arya says I know what you're doing or I know what you did or something like that. And we talked about it a lot and I talked with the mm-hmm. actors and, and with Joe about it. And I don't
0: I don't remember exactly what
1: that was actually referring to in, in our levels of drama, but
0: mm-hmm. the fact
1: that she was involved with her brother, uh, Aria was very protective of, of that. So mm-hmm. you know, so it was it was something like that. But it, whatever it was, it hurt her. She left.
2: Yeah. She she whispered whatever uh, Bill Murray whispered in Scarlett Johansson's ear in tran- <laughs>
1: awesome
0: translation.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Which yeah. sent you know sent them right to the ladies' room.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's better not to know. You can just kind of imagine like, wow, I wonder what Aria must have said to get that yeah, kind yeah, of reaction. Of course.
2: Of course.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So then there's, there's
2: Melissa's secret, which was revealed. Uh, the way it's done is so unconventional. Again, is that something that was in the script or...
1: It was uh, it was Joe's idea uh, initially, and and we really embraced it. I kind of uh, I thought it, it was it worked out really well. I'm proud of proud of the way that played and the way the actresses played, and they were really both in the same room. And and the editor uh, Robert did a great job too, putting putting all that together. And so it was it was it did it was implied or specified in in the script originally. Mm-hmm. and but we were able to to pull it off pretty nicely i think. I actually there was a there's a later scene in the in the show where she's watching it again in mm-hmm. her uh, kitchen in the great room uh where i wanted to actually have melissa in there live but we did we wound up not using that. Mm-hmm. But but i think it was it's really it's pretty effective.
2: I think it's definitely rewarding for for everyone's perspective just because it's one thing to have an actor like look at a screen and emote it's another to actually have her be able to to imagine herself there, taking it in, taking it all in, I, it was I don't know, it was very striking. I thought, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, thank you. I, I think so too. It was great. It was a great piece.
0: Yeah, I remember. I think Tyrone Bell, sorry, tweeted a picture. It might have been actually of the uh, of one of the monitors, just like showing the framing of the shot. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but to me, the framing, the, it's kind of like a medium shot of uh of Tori DeVito there's Melissa it made me feel very kind of like anxious There's something about her kind of being right in the foreground It's has kind of, a lot of horror movies kind of use that like something's about to come in from the side or something like that like there's something about that that sort of medium shot that always makes me feel anxious whenever I see it in a movie or tv show just because it seems like there's something that could happen on either side of the frame at any moment you know
1: yeah that's 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 that kind of you know Hitchcock thing or Roman mm-hmm. Polanski those those kind of film filmmakers who used to used to like wait, wait what is over there you know right. Yeah, that's great
2: yeah we we'll always talk amongst ourselves that Polanski amongst other things though, so in filmmaking at least is a master of tension of just making you uncomfortable like with the simplest of gestures of a director. Mm-hmm. So, I know you worked on an episode of Ravenswood. So, what was it like working in a coda to that show and like an already pretty complicated episode of PLL? Uh,
1: what I mean, the actual Ravenswood series. I, I, w- I went and, when, and, if you will, helped out on the, the end of their series. They needed to finish by a certain time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Ron was directing, and uh, so and we had just wrapped PLL, so I went, I went over and it was just, uh, it was all kind of underway and again it was another one of Joe's scripts and, and we just kind of did the best we could it was mm-hmm. it was challenging that show in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. um, it didn't have all that much connection to PLL except some of the other people, you know, some sort of the involvement as far as my, my involvement was, you mm-hmm. know
0: Were those Fireflies uh in the end of 511? Uh, were those like CGI or, or just like a lighting effect or something?
1: They were real fireflies no they were cg <laughs> it's,
0: it's
2: a firefly wrangler <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah those yeah i know and that's a hard job we were gonna have a <laughs> yes no that and that was in the script and we did accommodate for it while we were shooting in it and they were cg mm-hmm. fireflies they were pretty good those fireflies
0: <laughs> so one thing we wanted to ask Are there any particular favorite episodes or favorite sequences from the show like both like story-wise or just like technical level that like you really stand out to you
1: well there's, you know, there's shots and there's sequences. I, one of my favorite shots of that, sh- uh, the show where we're, we're talking about that I directed was near the end when, uh, Byron is talking to Tanner. And then after uh, Tanner gives the last line and says, I'm going to speak, we're speaking to one of these girls tomorrow. And we push in to Tanner and then it's just keep going. She leaves and we go right by her and we see that Aria is waiting by the door. I, I just, I really like the way that shot worked because it was, you know, a tricky shot maybe, but, it was part of the, it, it. Told the story, you know, and that's always mm. it. Always seems to better when it's about that, you know. Any of these fancy cameras work if if it can be actually make sense to tell the story and and propel it along. It's much better. As far as the series as a the whole, there's like there's so many so much, and there's so many things we're proud of, and there's sequences that I remember. I was just talking the other night actually about I just love that part of the story, and and you guys can probably tell me what episode it is better than me, but <laughs> when you know when the whole business went... When Wilden was killed, and the the girls pushed his car into the oh. lake, right? And then, and then, like the next, then the next night, or however many nights later, they're coming back into town after who knows what, and they see the car out there, and, and they open the trunk. At the end of that, that, that was the season finale. I, I like stuff like that. I can, I can still recall. You know, <laughs> we in the. Uh, I guess I can say this without getting in trouble. In the in the finale that we're shooting now, there are several callbacks to other things that have happened as we tell the story and explain, explain what's on. So we were remembering a lot of these things that happened in season three and season four oh, uh, to everyone. Okay. And there's some, you know, we were re- recreating some of that stuff to some extent too. So it was fun. Very
0: cool. Yeah. One of the uh, things I noticed in the premiere of this season, uh, especially when they're outside of that kind of like hatch area that goes into the dollhouse, there are a lot of like really neat kind of overhead. I don't know if that's like on a crown crane or I don't know, what what uh machinery is using to do those shots with these really neat kind of overhead shots kind of like moving in or moving out of the hatch um is that something you guys get to play around with a lot when you go outside or is that like a, yeah this?
1: yeah so when we can when we have the room um when we have the the time if it's not if it doesn't occur too much during one episode mm-hmm. uh too many days for as far as our budget is concerned but that was yeah that was a technocrane um the, the dolly grip on our show, Tony Wheeler and Craig Fiske is the, the main camera operator. Really creative when it comes to that kind of stuff and, and moving the cameras. Craig's an excellent steady cam operator. We try to move the camera uh, as much as we can when it's when like again when it's appropriate, especially if it shows off something or gives you that feeling uh, that we want to convey with the girls. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, does working with digital cameras make your job any different or harder, or is it pretty much the same as it was before? well it's i I guess
1: it's pretty much the same as it was before, and it's been long enough now that i I almost don't recall the big the the nuances of the difference mm-hmm. I mean obviously, we're not getting up in the middle of the night and calling the lab and making sure <laughs> everything came out came out okay because we really pretty much know know as we shoot it <laughs> you know as we, it, it's it's like oh, it always still is unnerving having come from shooting film for all those years when as i'm Getting in my car to leave the stage that night, they're tearing down the set that we just shot because they have to build something else. And I say, well, and to myself, I still think, well, shouldn't we be waiting to see the dailies? But of Mm. course, that's not necessary because we have, we know that there was no, nothing got scratched or lost or fogged or all those things that used to happen to us. Uh, I mean, the digital technology is getting better and better and it seems like it's pretty it's so commonplace now that it's almost like there's there's really no other way to approach it but but try to make it make it look as, as good as you can and and that's been something that I think we've been able to achieve
0: yeah that was one thing I was, I was wondering about with the color palette um, I know that originally digital cameras you kind of had to be a little worried when you got too dark uh, to make sure everything came out but it seems like now the you know the, the technology's there where you can get those shots you don't need to worry as much about you know lighting or anything like that
1: yeah there's a lot more latitude in that in the dark and the light well i was uh working on me on the series medium and it was season five or s- five or six or so that show five i think and we had a choice we were we were shooting on 35 millimeter film and the uh producers said well we- if you want to we can change to digital uh we don't have to and the studio the studios not mandating it but we can and we were all happy with the way the show looked then but it seemed like what a nice opportunity to take that challenge have the the sets and the and the actors and the lighting of the show that we know and see let's see if we can do it so that was it was lucky for me to be able to kind of figure all that out and there were some you know things that we did right away to to make some changes after we actually saw how our actors and our sets looked in the new uh, digital format and one of them was getting uh like older lenses that weren't quite as sharp as the ones we were shooting the film with and the few little considerations with that and the, and the lighting. And, but for the most part, it's the, there, I, there's a few shows on TV, I guess, that are still shooting film, but not too many. And, and it's really this, it's the, the technology has improved so that it's, it's really not, not a big hardship.
2: Mm-hmm. Did you shoot the, uh, the 3d episode of medium? Yes, I did. Actually
1: I the the three D segments of an episode. It was actually my first I had been I knew some of those guys working on that show and uh I had been doing a little a few second units and a few different things on there but I wasn't on full time and then going they did if you remember and this was Season two, if I remember right, there were of medium. Mm-hmm. There was a scene where they did some 3D sequences and we, they passed out 3D glasses in TV guy or people magazine <laughs> right. or something.
2: I remember trying to get them beforehand. Yeah. Right.
1: Anyway, and, uh, and that when Glenn Karen, who was the show creator and writer, of that was directing that. And I actually was, that was my first time working as the, as his DP on that, on that show. And that, as a matter of fact, on that 3D
2: stuff. Okay. No. So we were doing some scanning the internet. The IMD page doesn't list it, but you worked on Buffy, right?
1: Yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I worked um, for the last three seasons shooting uh, uh, everything, but I wasn't on the full-time crew. They were doing second units. I was doing mm. a lot of fights and mm. action sequences, and that, like Pretty Little Liars has a big cast, so had a big cast. So you could mm. they could kind of split some stuff up. So I would go and with one director and shoot a scene with these. And actors and whilst well, while the main unit was doing something else i think that i that wasn't those television shows at least that one at that time wasn't really crediting that stuff on screen so it never actually made it to the IMDb page but but i was there quite a bit during those the last couple of years of that
2: and you also worked on the original friday the 13th yeah
1: i was i was i was a gaffer and <laughs> it, it was there was a week of reshoots is really what it was and so I was, uh, I think I, my credit is second unit gaffer or something on, on that movie, but we were out at some dark lake in New Jersey somewhere for a while.
2: So you didn't get to be there when they killed Kevin Bacon or anything? <laughs> I, I might've been. I don't know. I not <laughs> well, Now for the layperson again, what does a gaffer do? Uh,
1: the gaffer is the chief lighting technician. Okay. Um, in fact, the credits now kind of reflect that. It's, the the gaffer is an old word. I don't exactly know where it comes from, but, uh, Chief lighting technician is kind of the the way that those guys are referred to mostly now. And so the I was a gaffer for all those years. I came to being a director of photography through that mm-hmm. side of things, through the lighting side of things. And my gaffer uh, Eric Forend on, on our show is a, such a close collaborator, and because it's really. It's still the, in in so many ways, it's still the most important part of it for me, you know, the most the most interesting and the, the place where you can make the most difference, mm-hmm. you know, as far as as far as making the show look look good or or, or different anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know one of the things that interested me being on the set watching you guys do PLL was that you had the, the stand ins for all the, the main actresses who would go, you know, like whenever it's time for like a different setup, you would work with them to figure out all like, I guess, like the lighting and blocking and whatnot and kind of make sure everything was ready to go before you actually shot the scene. Um, That was really neat to me having never been on a a set like that before to see how that worked.
1: Yeah. Well, that's so the way that works is we'll Mm -hmm. rehearse the scene with the actors and then uh, let them go and change their costumes or change their makeup or check their email or whatever, rest or whatever while we're so as not to wear them down and, Mm -hmm. and to get us ready. We have this, crew of in our show very talented amazing people who are the stand-ins and they watch those rehearsals make notes and then they will go through the scenes spot by spot if there's movement or sit there for us while we can set the lights and the cameras and then almost practice with them as soon as we have that with our second team as we call them on the show then we'll say okay we're ready and we we'll bring in the uh, the actors and, and do it
2: so how did you first get into this business or what led you into to the film world
1: um i was a, a movie fan at a young age but i was growing up in connecticut it was a time when there when it wasn't quite so easy or popular to, to be studying film in college or anything but i was but i was able to do that and and had a found a few people who inspired me in high school my english teacher when i was 11th grade mm-hmm. uh, mr sullivan made me and you know it's made me it made it seem okay to, to take these movies that I was watching as a art form. And then, so from there, I, then I found out, well, I could go to college and study movies. And then I found out I go to college and make movies. So I, I did, I did that for a little, and now that's more commonplace. But so I went to uh, New York city to NYU uh, at, right there and then, and got into the business there in New York mm-hmm. and, and wound up in the lighting end of it first for a while.
0: Would you say you have any particular influences, either as a cinematographer or director, who kind of inspired you?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I I love watching all of it. And, and, you know, and all kind of the great classic directors, like Hitchcock, of course, and Francois Truffaut and Fellini and Arthur Penn. And, you know, and some of the guys like Cameron Crowe who are making movies, you know, Bertolucci, all those directors. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that seems that's a lot of inspiration from there. And then the DPs, of course, like who worked with them, like um, Conrad Hall and uh, Victoria Storaro and and some of the, some of the little black and white guys like John Alton and Greg Toland. And and those, those people are are inspiring to me. And we still watch them. Uh, I still watch them all the time. Billy, my, my wife and I will watch, stay and watch a Billy Wilder movie or Mm -hmm. an Alfred Hitchcock movie, you know, Mm -hmm. like any night of the week that we can. It just seems like, And and now, of course, as you know, in this great time that we're alive, we can get you can access that stuff so easily, you know. So it's it's like great to watch the old stuff. So that's what we should do. That's what everyone should be doing.
0: (laughs) When you watch like a current movie, do you just kind of like focus on the like the the construction of it, or are you able to just kind of tune that out and watch the movie, or does it depend on the quality of the movie? I guess
1: I guess it does. You know, it depends on. That's exactly right. It's sort of the story is. The most important, if you're just thinking of the camera movement or the lighting, good or bad, Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to pull you out of it. But if it can all work together, that's when it's the most satisfying. So I don't think it's a hindrance to know to be involved or interested in the technical side, you know, but because it can make it even more satisfying when it's really done well. Mm -hmm. But still, it's, it's all about the script and the story, I think,
2: mostly, most of the time a good movie is a good movie and if something is technically impressive it'll it'll find its way into your head Mm -hmm. um so what are some of your favorite movies that you would definitely recommend to a PLL fan
1: well i think the the hitchcock great ones like strangers on a train which is probably my favorite which is in that that episode that we were talking about Mm -hmm. um and then you know vertical and rear window are pretty pretty easy answers um i think the apartment billy Wilder's movie is great So everyone should watch that, and and then the stuff, the other stuff that Billy Wilder did, like Double Indemnity, are great. And I mean, just it's it's like all of it. I mean, I think it's really the the sort of the more you see, the more you learn. You know, and and there's different things for different people. You could look at Michael Curtiz movies because of the way that people move around, it's like fantastic. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's just a lot to learn and it's just, just enjoyable and fun. Mm -hmm. Even the bad ones are fun.
2: (laughs) Uh, Oddly enough, I went to the movies last night and their little thing beforehand, they, they advertised that double indemnity is coming back to the theaters for like one week only in a few weeks. Oh, cool! But when you mentioned Bertolucci, I was, I was just waiting for you to recommend like last tango in Paris to, to the teenagers.
1: (laughs) We, we, I was talking with my wife about that movie today, but no, I, I, it's a, Beautiful
2: movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Have you? I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it's been a few years. <laughs> the first time I watched it I had to stop after the uh, the butter scene for whatever reason, and then I had to come back to it a short time later.
0: yeah. No. <laughs> so uh if you uh, you know, could do any project, are there any particular like dream projects or like something you'd like love to, to be a part of or direct or be the DOP for?
1: Oh, I I, I don't know. I mean I I love working on good stuff with people who are, who care about what we're doing and, you know, and there's an opportunity to be creative and, you know, but I'm also a big uh, fan of live music. I would love to do, stuff something surrounding you know a rock and roll story or something like that personally i just i'm just i like that world i love those those movies about a band Mm. even if they're terrible i'll i'm happy i'm I'm more forgiving about for some reason you know (laughs) so a good one of those would be great you know you know i mean there's been some good ones and but i don't i don't really have a particular dream project that i feel like needs to get made i just you know love I'm so i have such a great job i'm so happy to be doing it Mm -hmm. i'm so appreciative that i'm able to and you know and and to do it and let people actually look at it and take it seriously even even on a silly little show like ours it's great it's great
2: it's funny that you mentioned it when you know people around the world found out that this time jump is coming on pll uh i was talking to somebody about it and i said this is going to be great it'll be just like stephen king's it or something like that was my guess but I, I came to that kind of analogy because they didn't understand my first reference, which I was like, it's great, it's gonna be just like Eddie and the Cruisers, <laughs> <laughs> but with PLL. Um, on a side note, though, when we were on the set, you were working hard at one point, and uh, Trine kind of took us aside, and she said she said, look at Larry, look how hard Larry's working. He's wearing a Wilco shirt. I think he wears a different Wilco shirt every day. Yes, <laughs> like I've how, heard that. How many Wilco shirts do you have?
1: I have. I have it on right here. there oh, wow. so <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have some forty. I don't know. I, I have a lot. Wilco is a great band, very, and uh, they have good shirts. And you have to, if if you can find both, if you can find a great band with a good shirt, mm-hmm. that's that's really what what better. What's better than that? <laughs> I'm. I also, you know, I'm such a easy. It's so lucky that I get to wear Wilco shirts too. To work every day you know not everybody's <laughs> that that lucky yeah definitely.
0: so so did you have a good time then doing the uh was it uh, adam adam lambert on the the ghost train episode uh,
1: as good a time as anybody <laughs> had on that episode yeah sure it was it was it, it was it was fun you know i like doing that stuff. So. It, it was fun that was crazy
2: i was just gonna say that everyone listening should go now check out Watch and listen to uh, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart by Wilco. <laughs> yes. So what is something that you would definitely like to see on a map of Rosewood if someone was making one for you?
1: Oh, that's not on one of your maps?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, like when you looked at our map, for example, like what did you think? Okay, that's missing.
1: Well, I think the movie theater was missing, actually. Okay. Um, but I don't, you know, it's more of a, uh, Rosewood's more of a state of mind, you know, <laughs> and it's, and it's, you, you can make maps and you go or you can look at it on your GPS on your phone but you'll probably get lost you know like everybody does over there and then then you'll then you'll come back out again
0: so <laughs> you know so uh, we always like to ask people this question if you could see any sort of spin-off from free little liars like what what do you think would make a fun spin-off of the show and you know the characters that are already established well
1: obviously if the 4 PLLs became a girl rock band and we toured the world that would be <laughs> that would be good hmm. There is it? because there's plenty of room for drama there and backstage hijinks mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know I, um I'm on, I'm on board with whatever these mm-hmm. these this group of people do right now so we'll see we'll see what what,
2: what comes aria and the holograms
0: or is a whole a whole debate there of who's the drummer spencer and the pussycats mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah i i think that's all the questions we have for now okay
0: yeah um just closing out i know you guys are working on the finale right now any particular thoughts on season six a as a whole uh kind of like themes that you're interested people should look out for
1: um we are we're just trying to i I think there's really this first half of season six which is just starting to air now Hmm. uh We'll try to explain a lot of things that that uh, everyone wants to know and everyone has been patiently waiting to understand. <laughs> and then I'm sure when it's over, you'll there'll be other questions and other frustrations. But that's, but but it's not over. It mm-hmm. won't be over because there'll be more. Mm-hmm. Time jump or not? Time jump or not?
0: Be <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Yes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you guys for watching and talking about it. I'll Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.